Hi friends, and welcome to the Be Nourished podcast, where we talk about the nourishing things in life, relationships, food, jobs, dreams, and everything in between. Savannah Locke joins us today. I was super, super pumped to have her. I have loved following her on Instagram. She has such wise things to say. And and on Instagram, that can be very difficult. It's difficult to get people to engage past, you know, the first line. So she writes things that make you want to keep reading. And I was so honored to have her today. She shares with us how she handles Instagram, especially considering as we talk about, you know, it's here today, gone tomorrow. People follow and unfollow. They hate your stuff. They love your stuff. It can just be kind of overwhelming. So she shares her wisdom with us today. So without further ado, here's Savannah. Well, Savannah, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. I'm very excited to have you here. Yes, I'm excited too. This is fun. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, my name is Savannah. I manage a holistic doctor's office in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, That's what I do full-time for my job. I am married to a touring musician, um, so he is on the road quite a bit of the year. Um, so what keeps me company is my little dog. She's a four and a half pound toy poodle. I'm obsessed with her. So cute. Oh um, my gosh. Yes, he is the best. Bentley Rock. Um, <laughs> I also write a lot on social media and my blog, as you know, and then um, I sing as well, which I think is how we first would have connected because I was leading worship at the church in Nashville. Um, And I know you had talked about the Enneagram. I'm the Enneagram 4 wing 5. (laughs) <laughs> yes, which you know a lot about the Enneagram. I am one of those people. So I didn't, I've never taken the um, $12 test. I need to just do it. It's so silly. I don't know why I haven't. But um, all of the ones I've taken that have been like the free ones, I've always come out as a one and it kind of hurts a little, but it's, it's pretty yes. true. It's pretty true. I think I'm a one. Awesome. Ones are the best. Oh my well, gosh. I'm married to a one. Really? I, I didn't know one. that. Yes. Okay, that, yeah. Once, I mean, I get a lot of crap done, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but sometimes, I don't know, sometimes I, I get a little And the best too. thing is, is that you not only get it done, you get it done right. <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I do. But sometimes I get very prideful about that. It's it's a very tricky balance to, to do, especially as a therapist. I can't always, I was actually thinking about that this morning, is that I really love to investigate what's wrong and then fix it and change it. Like, hello, why not? But I can't always do that, and that makes me crazy. So I have to be careful not to, um, like, sabotage things because I'm trying to fix things. I don't know. It's a weird uh, it's a weird balance for sure. But, and to sit as a therapist in a place of, like, non-judgment yeah. and just empathy, I feel like that would be tough as a one. Yes. Yeah, my, best, my best friend is a one, mm-hmm. and then my husband is a one. So I am, like surrounded by ones all the time and it's very difficult because their world is very black and white Uh versus my world is just completely gray (laughs) (laughs) yeah and for them but it's so good because one brings justice into the world and structure and it's so important but I can definitely see the therapist you would just be like Get yourself together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really hard. Especially working with the community I work with, there's just a lot of systemic issues. And so the people that I directly work with are often deeply influenced by the people before them. And I, I don't work with the people before them. I only work with the people in front of me. And so I can't 
I don't know. It's very hard to change something when you don't have all the pieces to make the change. And so I, I have to do a lot of self-reflection and a lot of like, am I projecting onto this client or am I genuinely get, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, I have to come from a place of empathy, not criticism. And that can be very, very challenging, especially if I'm tired or stressed or, you know, haven't had my coffee for the day, whatever it is. Yes, for sure. So tell us a little bit. I know about the four a little bit, but tell us for for those who may not know, although I talk about the Enneagram every episode, I feel like. So, but tell us like the top things about being a four. Um, well, the four, the four is called the romantic or sometimes the individualist. Um, basically, the basic need of a four is to experience significance in the world and to be fully known. I think that a lot of people have been taught that fours need to feel special, mm. but I think that uh, Anne Kahn talked about this a little bit, who wrote the book, The Road Back to You, that it's not that we need to feel special, but that we need to feel known. And um, okay. I would say that that's my 100% deepest need, is to feel known and truly known for my authentic self. Um, fours can be pretty moody. <laughs> <laughs> around me but I find them fascinating I find you guys so interesting I am definitely a gut person but I do feel like I have that heart stuff too but a lot of head stuff I don't know this is why I'm always a little I need to take the official test because I feel like I have a touch of which I'm sure is kind of the point of the Enneagram like I kind of have a touch of a few and I know about the wings and all that kind of stuff so I need to take the real thing and just nail it down yes because which is just the very one thing to even say. You're definitely a one. <laughs> yes, yes. But the, the idea that we're actually all of the numbers and we pull in all of the numbers in different scenarios, but that the number that we have is kind of a coping mechanism that we use mm-hmm. to get through in the world, you know? Yes. So it's not necessarily like a badge of honor as much as it is recognizing kind of childhood traumas and how they've affected us or things that we've been told throughout our lives in ways that we've try to overcompensate for them it's kind of like a coping mechanism more than it is like this is what I am and this is what I'll be yeah totally yeah definitely a one then I can for sure say that (laughs) oh man well you know I feel like there's a million trillion things we could dive into I'm there's so many avenues we can take but I am most curious right now about your Instagram because for a couple reasons First of all, I know you mentioned you like to write and bring beauty into the world, and one of the main ways you do that is Instagram, and that is really tricky because I feel like these days, and this probably sounds like a broken record to a lot of people, but 
you know, a lot of times people just scroll through, they look at the picture, there's not a lot of stopping and reading or whatever. But you are able to write on your Instagram posts, like, full-on thoughts and feelings and concepts and scripture and various things, and people stop and read. And that is not easy to do. So have you always done that with Instagram, or is that something you kind of started one day, just thought, well, let me just see if it works, or, like, how do you? how did you start that? You know, I, I definitely, no, I haven't always done that way. Um, I think when I started going to therapy in 2012, I realized that writing was an avenue of healing for me. And so I just started writing a lot. And I don't think that was like when Instagram started becoming popular because I think it was popular before then. But that was at least when my friends were super getting into it, right when we were graduating college. Mm -hmm. And I... I don't know, I just started naturally sharing what I was learning and what I was writing, and I honestly am thankful that you can delete stuff, because I probably deleted everything from those first three years, because, (laughs) of course, when you're in pain and first working through all of your trauma, it's just a cluster. I have just thoughts and emotions and probably raw feelings I shouldn't have necessarily been posting about the day of, Mm. but I realized that people were resonating with it, and I thought huh, like, I guess there isn't a lot of honesty on social media, and I always like to use this analogy or thought process, um, and it's going to feel scattered, but it's not. So, in college, I was pretty obsessed with North Korea. I don't even know what the deal was, (laughs) but I just got on this kick and started researching it, and um, the propaganda videos were very interesting to me, because if you don't know anything about North Korea, it's obviously under a dictatorship, so the Kim dynasty, right now Kim Jong-un is a dynasty, the leader of North Korea, and basically it's like a terrible, terrible place to live, where there's so much oppression and violence and lack of food and resources, but these propaganda videos that are going out into the rest of the world make it seem like it's the happiest place on earth. Mm. So, I got into really deep waters researching about North Korea in college, and then when I graduated, my dad took me to see the Beatles Circus Blake show in Las Vegas. Mm. So, we get to Vegas, and... I'm like walking around and I'm thinking, this is just like North Korea where there are all these bright lights that it seems so happy, but mm-hmm. then everyone's actually really depressed underneath it all. Yeah. And just feeling the weight of like, man, it looks like one thing, but if you actually stop and observe it, it's not. It's sad. And that's kind of how I feel about social media where everyone is just doing this highlight reel of everything's perfect. And the lights are bright and everyone's happy, but at the end of the day, when you really know the people behind the screen, they're experiencing real issues and real trauma and depression and anxiety. And I think that I just feel, I know a lot of people don't feel this way and I don't think everyone is called to do what I do on social media, but I feel so burdened by that. Where if you look online and you don't see anything real, then you start to feel like your real life Definitely. And I think, I mean, and I agree. I definitely agree with that. And I've always erred towards being honest about stuff and and saying what people don't say and things like that. And I think it's a tricky balance. And I'm curious how you do this, especially as someone who comes from the heart a lot, because 
it is so difficult to produce content that is raw and authentic and emotional and real, but also not, um, like overbearing or cause like you said, I mean, there are certain things that don't need to be presented on Instagram if they haven't been processed in like the secret place or whatever you want to call it. You can't just yeah. go out onto Instagram and like put your heart right there if you haven't dealt with it elsewhere, because then that can yeah. become very dangerous and very tricky. And this kind of leads into a couple of days ago, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, you posted something that people attacked you about. Like it just it was like a war for you. And then not that long after you posted something that went viral. And so can you talk to me a little bit about the balance of like posting the same type of content, regardless of the outcome or like the response, if that makes sense. And also how you do that in a boundary way. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Because I can see how it would be really unhealthy if a person who is posting like these really deep, and we all know these people on social media, uh-huh. like everyone has those people that they view social media as their therapist almost. Yes. And it's like, hey, like totally normal that you're feeling those things, but you're looking for healing in us, within mm-hmm. these random strangers on the internet when you actually need to be working through this with real people in your community. So yeah. that is a vital, I think, distinguished, I don't know, trait of when it can be healthy versus unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, honestly, the last couple of weeks have been super emotional for that reason because I posted, yeah, I posted something and a lot of people, it's worth noting, a lot of people got it and got where my heart was coming from, even if it wasn't phrased in the best way. And then some people just did not have time for it. And it was really personal and vicious. And I just remember thinking, I need to delete all of this. Like, I can't handle this. Mm. And it it felt so hurtful to know that people who didn't know me and followed me because they loved my words and my writing felt so confident and comfortable to, to like, attack me personally. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Where I was like, you, you've never even and I hope that everyone who reads my writing feels like they know me on some level because it's honest. But right. at the end of the day, like if you've never met me, you just you don't know me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know you. Right. So it's this idea that we feel so comfortable attacking other people was really startling to me. And it tapped into, honestly, one of my worst fears, which is getting mobbed on the internet. Yeah, um, for sure. And so I, I kind of took a couple of, I took a couple of days off and... I honestly wanted to delete it, and but my core people all came around me, and I got call after call over the next couple of days of people saying, you can't be silent, like, you have to keep on moving forward, and it's okay that you make mistakes, and we know where your heart was in that, and it's okay if you needed to rephrase it and make corrections, but like, move forward, you can't let bullies silence you. Mm-hmm. So, like, a week later, I wrote this other piece, and then it went viral, Yeah. Yeah. I just laughed. I was like, the Facebook gods have forgiven me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's honestly, at the end of the day, though, when it happened, I, I think it was actually a gift from God because whenever the post went viral, I was like, whatever. Because you have to hold on to things super loosely mm-hmm. and realize that, like, I'll say something, I'll say something probably tomorrow that will bother people, and my identity cannot be wrapped in with yeah. other people think of me totally like honestly right before to be super honest right before i got on the phone with you i was reading through an instagram direct message 
Yes. Well, and this is, I mean, this is something I'm dealing with right now as I'm trying to build this podcast. I mean, because I had a personal Instagram and then I started a new one for my podcast. And my friend Amanda, who also has a podcast, pointed out that I sort of started with no niche community necessarily because my podcast sort of encompasses a lot of topics and a lot of things and a lot of thoughts and feelings and a lot of different people from all over. So it's not like, cause she has a podcast about body positivity and that's a very specific community and niche. And she just kind of jumped into a community that was already established and I'm kind of starting from the ground. And if I'm not careful, I can get very caught up in the, cause people just follow and unfollow at a rapid rate. They're trying to get you to follow them and then they unfollow you as soon as you do that. And it's like this weird game that I don't understand and don't want to be a part of. But it often means that I, you know, you might have a lower number on your Instagram following or whatever, which sounds like such a silly thing to say. But if it's a, I always have to remind myself, if it means that I have a more authentic following or a more authentic community, then it's worth it. And I think yeah. the, the tricky thing about having a lot of people follow you on Instagram Especially like you said, if, if one day they're all mad at you and the next day they all want to know you, like you said, it changes so fast, but it can also be difficult or tricky, I would imagine, and maybe this is not your experience, but I think it would be tricky to not change your content sometimes. Like, oh, I've got all these oh new God, people, yeah. the, all these new people are here, what if they don't like what I'm saying, what if they think that this is dumb, I need to produce a better picture, or whatever. Do you feel any of that, or are you just kind of going along with oh, what you do? That's yeah. my life over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Because so hard. It, it is just such a hard tension, and this is where it's just so vital to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where yeah. I'm like, at the very least, because I don't think that will necessarily change the outcome of how people react, but at least if I know that I'm centered with me and God, that no matter what I post, if people get upset or don't, then I know that we're good, you yeah. know? And that I, I didn't post anything irrationally or out of spite or out of anger but if I'm just kind of releasing what is literally the overflow of my high time with God Mm -hmm. then it's okay if people don't react well or respond positively but Mm -hmm. you are so right because my it's not a lot when I think about it but I have like 3,000 followers or something like that and now I have I think 11 or 12,000 and that happened like in five days so it was a very quick um, turnaround, and I honestly, Allison started to feel, like, almost, like, on the verge of, like, panic attack level anxiety, sure. where I was, like, oh, my gosh, like, what can I post, or what can't I post, and can I be honest about where I really am, because even on Facebook, I, like, I maxed out of all of the friends that I could have, and then now a bunch of people are following me, and just the demographic of people that are following me are way different than what my core people were, mm-hmm. and it makes me very nervous that if I start to be honest about my journey with church and my journey with my faith and um, the ups and downs that I've experienced because of church trauma and spiritual abuse, that if I'm honest about that, that they'll that they'll freak out. And yeah. I, I honestly don't care if they unfollow me. I just don't want them to be mean on their way out the door. Sure. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Well, so I'm like, maybe I should just be like this positive, like, I don't even know. Like my friend Morgan, do you know Morgan Harper Nichols? I don't think so. Okay. You should follow her. She's awesome. She does this beautiful artwork and she basically writes these cute, like sweet quotes and they're all very like positive, inspirational and so her, like so reflective of her. Mm. And my tendency, honestly, in these moments is to like, basically be like, I'm going to be like 
Mm. But this idea that he is never going to be emotionally charged, he's never going to talk about politics, he's never going to talk about, like, church trauma, she's always going to go for that uplifting encouragement. Whereas I think God has called me to be more prophetic, Mm -hmm. and sometimes the prophetic aspect of the world, and not, like, necessarily in the charismatic sense, but literally, like, calling out systems and things like that, Mm -hmm. that's not going to be as widely received. Sure. So I kind of find myself wanting to, like, mold into people who I see as non-controversial. Yeah. Because I'm so nervous about being... (laughs) No, I totally get it. How weird of a fear is that? No, I, I really get it, because even, like, my podcast is not overtly... Like, it's not Christian-based necessarily. I am a Christian, and I'm very spiritually oriented. But I I feel that with that, honestly. And I've never really talked much about that as far as either on the podcast or on Instagram. But I have interviewed people who are not spiritually-based or they're not a Christian. And to me, I don't want it to feel like I struggle with the balance of I'm a Christian, and I don't know how to not do things out of that frame but I don't want yeah. other people who aren't that way to feel like they can't follow or they can't be a part of it. And so I, I hesitate. I wonder sometimes about how to approach that topic or how to talk about that or thinking like, okay, well, I'm posting this episode this week and I know that we talked a lot about God in this. Like, how is that going to be perceived? And I, I don't like that that's something that I think about because I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't want to dishonor God. I don't know. It gets very complicated. But I understand that feeling of, if I produce this and if I put this out there, it matters to me, but how is it going to be received by other people? Because the fact of the matter is Instagramming and podcasting rely on other people to interact and engage. And so without those people, I mean, we can still do what we're doing, but to nobody, I guess, or to like your husband, my husband, you know, it's like who would listen? So it is, it's a very, very tricky thing to navigate. Yeah, it's a matter of stewardship and this idea that, we're stewarding our gifts and stewarding, you know, in your case, these interviews with other people. Um, and how do you steward it in a way that's glorifying the God and not also not people pleasing? So that yeah. idea, my friend gave me this verse at the beginning of this week because what you were talking about has literally been the struggle for the last couple of weeks for me. Mm-hmm. And the idea, um, I think it's in Proverbs or Psalms, the, that the fear of man lays a snare but those who trust in the Lord will be safe. Yeah. And the idea that people-pleasing seems so alluring, and she was talking about how a snare is something that it seems like such a good thing, but then the minute you get in there, it's a trap. Mm. And how do you steward well and not be provocative for the sake of being provocative or instigate division, yeah. but simultaneously not be a people-pleaser? Mm-hmm. And I think about two... I don't know if you know anything about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but he was basically this, like, Christian, pastor, theologian, author. He was amazing. Um, Back in Germany, whenever Hitler was in power, Uh and he basically called out the German church for so many years for not calling out Hitler. So he saw what was happening in the power structures and everything like that, but basically the German church was so afraid to address Hitler's power, even though it was so antithetical to the gospel. But they just wanted to stay in their own power, and so they basically just agreed to disagree, and then no one called each other out. But Mm. Bonhoeffer saw what was happening and was basically like, you guys need to take this seriously because what's happening is not of God. And Bonhoeffer got kicked out of so many churches while he was preaching, and he was on a radio show, and people pulled 
nobody did as broadly at least recognize that he was actually onto something as far as mm. the German church not having a sign when it came to the issues of justice and injustice. Yeah. Um, and so I always think about people like that in this idea of being willing to be misunderstood mm. and recognizing that there's grace when you, you know, for me with that quote, there's grace for God for me to make mistakes and I don't have to be perfect. And if I make mistakes then I apologize and I move on. Yeah. And knowing that, um, God is going to send people your way with for you for the podcast, for me for writing. Like, God is going to send people our way that he wants to, you know, encourage through us. Mm -hmm. And just not being concerned with how many people that is and recognizing that he ultimately will draw people to himself, you know? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's good. I think it's a good reminder of anybody who's producing any content to just remember why you're doing it. And, you know, it's like you said... And I prayed about the podcast before I even started it. It's something I thought about doing for a while, but I was like, I don't know. And, I, you know, and I was like, okay, Lord, like, I just want this to be something where people feel less alone and they can just listen and hear something or hear someone that's like them and, and be encouraged. And you're right. I mean, you have to remember why you're doing it or else it's it's not going to last or it's going to cause a lot of, like, emotional whiplash. And, and have somebody like that, like my husband... My husband starts at no and then kind of gradually goes to yes. Like, he's very, he's very private. He doesn't, he's just not, he he's encourages me, but he's not like me in the sense that he doesn't feel the need to talk about things like this publicly or he hates Instagram and, like, all those funny things. We're very different in that. But I, I use him as, like, a, a grounding place for me. And he reads the things I write and he'll listen and he'll say, okay, I don't know, I, I'm a little uncomfortable with you sharing that and things like that. And that helps me. Because I am such an open book and I am willing to talk about almost anything. He helps me be a guidepost as far as maybe this is something you need to wait on. I don't know if you've processed this. So I definitely think having somebody in your corner that you can do that with, whether it's a spouse or a friend or whoever or a mentor or a teacher, I think that's useful. And I think a lot of people don't have that and that's why they end up bleeding hearts on Instagram and you're just like squirming over here like, please don't, like, please go get a counselor. Please don't put that on Instagram. It's tough. It's that's really so tough. good. And that's honestly, that's an amazing piece of advice for anyone who wants to maybe be more public with their um, experience and with their journeys and recognizing that if you don't have real life people in your corner and on your team and in your community, then it's never, ever going to end well for you. Because what yeah. you're looking for is connection at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to find that through a screen. Yes, totally. Yep, that's exactly it. Connection is not going to be found, and it's not going to be found through the cutest pictures or, like, the, I don't even know what people do. What what are the, the filter things? I don't even know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, mm-hmm. it's not wrong that people do that and they want that, but it's just, like you said, reminding them at the end of the day that what they really want is to connect, and there's different ways to do that, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, yeah, okay, so taking a little bit of a swing here, you're, you mentioned you're also a singer-songwriter, right? You write your songs with Todd and kind of yeah. with other people. Mm-hmm. So has, is that something you've always been interested in as well? I know that you've been singing for a long time, but I don't know if it's something you did, like, in high school or what. Yeah, I, I started in high school a little bit. I, I have a pretty big fear of being in front of a lot of people. That's why the church that I led at that you went to for a while was very ideal for me because there wasn't a stage. So uh-huh. nobody yes. saw me. Totally. Um, I, yeah, so I, I definitely wasn't confident in high school to do that. So I started maybe more in college 
of singing and writing. And I think, honestly, that all came from when I started therapy and realizing that writing and singing and just artistic expression was really healing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do still sing, and I led worship for several years at a church in Nashville. And then when my husband and I got married, we moved to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually from there, and I just moved there to be with him. And I led worship at a church in Atlanta called North Point. And then when we moved back to Nashville, um, I just kind of stopped. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think we just needed a break, um, which I think you probably know about this, but we just we didn't go to church for two years when mm-hmm. we moved back here. Um, we basically needed time apart. We've both been serving in churches, and I grew up in the church since I was, like, eight. And so I had yeah. always had a role in church, and I had a very difficult time distinguishing my relationship with God apart from church, which yeah. then meant that I stopped leading worship. Mm-hmm. And so I believe, I still don't lead worship anymore. I mean, like, we go to our church now, but I don't lead there. Um, but then at the beginning of this year, I felt like God, to be honest, I'm probably not being as vulnerable about this as I could be. I would say that this is probably my biggest dream, is singing. Mm. and leading worship, like, more than writing. And at the beginning of this year, I feel like God was like, okay, like, it's time, and, you know, God does this for a living. So he's been gone, for example, this year, 220 days. Oh, my gosh. And so when he's home, like, the last thing that we want to do is sit and work. Sure. <laughs> we got our own stuff, and I, I think that I felt... And th- my therapist said this, that, that basically we've been putting Todd's career first because we need it to survive, obviously. Sure. But in turn, the thing that we both want to do the most, which is sing and, like, lead together, like, that's always going to be on the back burner unless we switch the pendulum and start pursuing, like, our career or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I hate even calling it career, but that's the best word I can use. So at the beginning of this year, Todd and I were basically like, we're going to start working on a record this year, and then... At the beginning of next year, he's actually taking off six weeks, which is huge. Oh, wow. Like, he's never, I don't think we've had six weeks together since we've gotten married. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So tough. Yeah. So, I would say I'm really excited to see. We've released two songs. We have another one else coming out next month. And then we have three more after that. So, it will be six songs total. Oh, my and, gosh. So exciting. Yeah. I'm really, I'm eager to see where that goes. not easy I mean hello that's like super tricky especially like going from you you guys were singing or doing worship and then worshiping with the church and then you took a break and now you're stepping back in like I feel all the feels for you over here and I'm mm-hmm. I'm just wondering like you're excited and you're hopeful and this is what you guys want to do but is there any sense of like uh, I don't know what that feeling is like hesitancy or, or fear or like do you feel any of that stepping back into these shoes I guess Oh my gosh, yes. And I I feel like, this is the way I describe it. I feel like the person that led worship at the church in Nashville that we went to, I feel like that is a different person. Mm -hmm. I don't even feel like that's me. Because it's been so long since I've done anything like that, 
yeah. that it feels like those muscles have not been exercised in so long mm-hmm. that I don't even know if I'll be able to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like riding a bike, and I've had seasons like this before where I'm like, it, it, I would say the kind of the giftings in my life are like writing and singing and then randomly speaking. So I see that throughout my life I've kind of been thriving in one of those areas and the other two feel dormant, and then all of a sudden God calls me into one of the other two, and I'm like, I don't know if I can still do this. Mm. But then I do it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I can totally do that. And then I start thriving in the other one, <laughs> and then God calls me back into another one, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't know if I can <laughs> And recognizing that God, I think that's how God kind of keeps us on our toes sometimes, is that ebb and flow mm. of kind of getting used to one thing and then God calling you into something else uncomfortable. So there's definitely fear and feeling like I'm a little old fart who wants to do something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love I, your I just, music. I, I love it. I I listen to your music and I really enjoy it. And I think you have such a unique voice. So I'm excited to see, especially you guys working together. That's so sweet. I love that. I, I think my husband and I have talked about working together. Obviously, not we are not singers. But we've talked about doing therapy together. And there's something so sweet about that. I don't think it's for everyone, but... I, it's, I don't know. I Wait, think, is he a therapist? He is. My husband's a therapist as well. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, oh my, my gosh. You guys are a power couple. Oh, my gosh. It, you know what? It is nice, but it can also be very, like, even most recently, I, it's really hard to know how I need to respond, but f- feeling very differently. Like, if I'm angry, I just want to be angry, but the other part of my brain is like, this is why you're angry. This has nothing to do with him. This is this this happened earlier this week and it triggered you to do you know, and that can be very annoying. Yeah. Sometimes I just want to be angry. <laughs> Instead yeah, of like I know, you're probably like not only terrifying yourself, but then yes. you're not there. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. with each other instead of just being yourselves and being exactly where you are. That would be really tough. But yeah. I bet you guys are really healthy. <laughs> well, we try to be. We try to be. And we do try to have good conversations slash arguments. But yeah, it it is. I specifically wrestle with that. Maybe it's my oneness. I don't know. But I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not responding the way that I know is healthy and blah, blah, blah. That can get very annoying. But I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I think that once, although like your emotion that you would go to would be anger, like your gut emotion. Uh-huh. I think ones are the most afraid, from what I know, ones are the most afraid of feeling angry because they feel like it's the wrong emotion to feel. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah. And instead of just being where you are, you're trying to make yourself um, kind of submit to logic instead of submit to, like, your heart and your feelings. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, I know, I know that when I'm angry, it's because I'm actually sad or hurt or disappointed or afraid. And that makes me more angry because I'm like, Allison, I know that you're not really angry, but you're not letting yourself be the thing that you really are. Yeah, it's very, I get all up in my head about most of this stuff because I feel like I know too much to be just like, I don't know. I know too much therapy stuff to just be able to be a person sometimes. And that can be such a challenge. That's tough. That's kind of like Sherlock. I'm on a Sherlock pick right now. I'm watching it. We're yes. ready to come for that. I love it. And it's so true that he he knows so much yeah. about like everything, but in your case therapy, that he can't just be human. Yeah. Yeah. Where you can't just like let your guard down and just be you instead of just like thinking through everything. Mm-hmm. Well, but you guys should seriously go into, like, a counseling thing together because that would rock. Yeah, we've really talked about doing private practice. I did private practice before I moved back here to be with my husband, and it was so fun. But it's a lot of work, and it's very – it's kind of like what you guys were – what you were saying about singing. It's 
it's so, it's kind of what our hearts want, but it's very, um, it's risky because mm-hmm. it ebbs and flows and depending on, you know, the season of the year, people are traveling or they're gone and there goes your paycheck and it's, it's a very risky endeavor, but we both are very tired and we work very, um, demanding jobs. And so I think we're both ready for something different, but not, it won't happen anytime soon. We'll be here for a little bit, but yeah, I'm hoping that in the future that will be something we'll be able to do together. Cause that would be so fun. Yeah, it would be. And what a way to support each other too. Because yeah. I feel like therapists are heroes for so many reasons, but one of them being you literally sit down and you listen to other people talk all day long. Uh-huh. And it's just it's probably like a syringe to yes, your emotions. It is. And then you get home and it's like, how are you guys even supposed to relate to each other? Because I'm guessing you can't talk about everyone's Right, stuff, no. You know? So exactly. you're literally then just having to like, yeah, I think it would be really cool if you worked together because then you would have some kind of common work foundation. Yeah. But anyway, I'm not going to force you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely our dream for sure. And I was, I, I think about this too, and I this, I don't know, I, I can't imagine how you manage having Todd gone so long because Clayton and I were long distance for a year before we got married and boy that was a challenge and so I just want to say I don't even know but like bless you I guess (laughs) for being married to someone who and I know you're supportive of him and you love that he loves his job but boy I can't imagine that being so tough at times yeah it's definitely next level yeah Um, I call it the shadow side of the touring Christian music world, you know, uh-huh. because nobody really thinks about that when they're seeing these people in concerts, but they're away from their families, and yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a very, very difficult thorn in the side. Um, yeah. At the beginning of this year, when Todd talked to the job of the new person at the beginning of this year, which is why he's been gone so much, mm-hmm. and we looked at his schedule, and I knew that it was going to be over 200 days, oh, wow. and I basically just felt God say, like, you can do this. And it's just for this year. Like, this is not going to be forever for us. And I really feel like he's honestly cocooned me with, like, grace or something. Oh, because wow. I'm not going to, like, punish Todd for following what he feels like God is telling him to do. We don't have kids. And, like, we can definitely, definitely do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is definitely not to say that it's easy because I cry. I have my meltdowns in Target. Oh. And I'll just be like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That has got to be so tough. Well, you may have already said this and everything that we've talked about, but I'm so curious as to what you would say to somebody who is wanting to be more real and authentic. And it doesn't even have to be on Instagram, but they're they're just wanting to write or produce or put something out into the world that they have on their heart. What would you say to them? I mean, what would be a couple of things that you would encourage them in or direct them in? I think we've talked about a few, but what would you say? Um, well, I'm in this writing class right now, and she's talking about how the hardest part, she calls it button share. Mm. The hardest part is just to get your button to share and write. Yeah. And I would say that with creatives that have dreams, um, it's very easy for us to make up all these make-believe obstacles that there are when the actual only obstacle is us just doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the hardest part would just be to get your butt in a chair and write or create or paint or sing or whatever it is that you're doing. And then I would say the other thing, at least from my personal experience, I think I was waiting for someone 
Yeah. And that committee doesn't exist. Like, they're never going to come to your house and tell you that. So mm-hmm. you don't need to wait for someone else's permission or affirmation or resources to do what you feel like God has put in your heart to do. Mm. That is The invisible so committee is not there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so good. That's really, really good. Especially if you're doing it on Instagram. Because, again, I've struggled with this. Like, I don't... My Instagram doesn't look like other people's, and it's small and all those things, so it can be easy to, I don't know, compare to other people. But yeah, I like that. I like, start where you are, get your butt in the chair, and nobody needs to give you permission to do the thing that you are that you feel really led to do. I think that's that's good advice for just really anything, I think, honestly. Yeah, any endeavor, for sure. I love that. Well, what is nourishing you now? This can be anything in the world. <clears throat> It is the most random thing, but I think just being, I'm very interested with this idea of creative geniuses and kind of what that mind looks like. Um, I think if I was not a four, I could probably be a very good therapist, but I I have, I think, too much empathy (laughs) where I would never be able to leave out the door. But (laughs) this idea of, like, psychoanalysis, and so that has been, like, a very, at least at the very least, intellectually invigorating show. Um, Also, I'm reading this book by Brene Brown called Dare to Leave. Mm-hmm. Have you read it? I have not read that one. I've read literally everything else she's ever written, but I have not read that I mean, one. It literally just came out, so that's okay. probably why, but it's been really good. It's just basically about leadership tools to lead vulnerably, um, which is really cool. I would say I'm a really big podcast listener. There's this podcast called Christian Meditation. Mm. Um, it has a really cheesy cross as the artwork, but this hospice <laughs> chaplain basically does these Christian meditation pieces on different scriptures um, every morning, and I listen to that on my way to work, and it's really nice um, and calming. Mm. And the newest season of Chef's Table, I oh, love. Yeah. I'm always really inspired by, do you love that? I, do, I haven't seen that one, but I love all cooking shows, basically, so. Okay, it's like the most emotional, yeah, it's just a very emotional series, because they talk a lot about kind of the history behind a lot of the recipes, and especially for people who are not in America, because we don't necessarily have, like, uh, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of recipes that we follow, but, like, mm-hmm. in places like Italy or South America, there's one guy who is from Argentina, like, they're cooking in the same way that people in, like, the 1300s were cooking, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Yeah. Um, just have such a legacy of cooking. Um, so I'm really inspired by that, too. I don't know. Is that the one? I have a lot of media intake. Like, that is very, it can be very refreshing to me. Yeah. Is Chef's Table the one, I don't think so, the one where they're, what's that show where the guy, like, kind of yells at them because he's trying to make them better cooks or something? Am I making this up? Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. No, that's, no. It's like a blonde guy? Is that that same show? Oh, Hell's Kitchen, that's He's what it is. Crazy. No, it this is. is like a really emotional Netflix. Okay.
well, I thought, I was like, well, that's kind of a strange thing. But I was like, surely I have that wrong because I don't think any, I can't imagine anybody sitting down and enjoying a show where somebody just yells at everybody. That sounds so terrible to me. That's not, I don't like that. No. I don't like that at all. Thank you for asking. That would be terrible if I was like. What is that guy's name? I can't remember, but the blonde guy who's kind yes. of crazy. Yeah, no. no, we don't have time for him. No. It's like way more of his vengeance kind of thing. That's hilarious. That follows like a bunch of chefs with like really inspirational stories. That's so good. Okay, yeah. Definitely different. We will. I'll have to check that one out for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Savannah, I have truly been honored to talk to you. I've been looking forward to this. I was so nervous to talk to you because I was like, oh my gosh. She does so many cool things, and she has such great stuff to say, and she always, like, when you do the, um, on your Instagram stories or whatever, you'll write postcards to people. You have sent me a few. I don't even know. You probably don't remember because you have a million people that you write to, but I just love pretty much everything you do, and I love your posts and all the things, so I'm a total fangirl, but also kind of know people that you know, so it's a little strange, but I just... Yes, now we're friends. Yes. Yes, I just have loved talking with you. I feel like we could have talked about so many things, but this I think is really good and timely for people and for me who are maybe trying to build an Instagram or I don't know, the world is weird right now and especially with social media, it's just weird and I think people don't know what to do with it or how to do it quite yet and so we're all just learning as we go. But I, I think that this is good for people to hear, you know, find your people, find your base and then just produce the best content you can that's real and honest and that's exactly what you do so thank you so much for talking with me yes thank you so much for having me it was so refreshing to talk to savannah to get her perspective to hear that she struggles with not formulating her content based on people's opinions and likes it's very difficult and i think especially now in the age of social media it's tempting to only create things that people um like which is impossible to know because that changes every day so i just appreciated that she really works to stay true to herself um but her honesty and that that can be difficult sometimes so if you have perspective or opinions or you want to talk about this please find us on Instagram at Be Nourished Podcast. You can also find Savannah at Savannah underscore lock. I put that all in the show notes. Her last name has an E on the end. Um, so feel free to find us there. Talk about the episode. Talk about what you're thinking and feeling. And if not, I will see you guys next week. Hope you have an awesome rest of your week.